are listening to the Daily Roundup here as part of the Reality Steve podcast. I am your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. I got a good show for you today. We're going to talk a little Dancing with the Stars, a death of one of the all-time greats of that show. We have an update, well, not even an update, an email that I got on Charity's location for this season. Then we're going to break down some statistics. No, not sports statistics, but American Idol sports, American Idol statistics. Your top 12 is set. I've got your Instagram following for all of them. And I kind of know how the season's going to play out when you look at some of these numbers. Also, in what I talked about yesterday in regards to Survivor, I went back and did a little research, got something for you there. And then I want to talk a little bit about a TV show that uh, has a correlation to my favorite TV show of all time. And we'll get to that momentarily. So the first thing I want to get to is someone sent me an email yesterday that I wanted to answer. And it said, other than COVID, has it ever happened before where they didn't go overseas until after hometowns? I know they normally travel out of the country before hometown dates, but Charity didn't get that. Just wondered if you know of it happening in the past. For whatever reason... I don't know if you know this, but I have, going all the way back to Allie's season, I have every episode in the notes on my phone in terms of just locations. Like I have, like for Allie, I have Allie, 3 LA, 4 New York, 5 Iceland, 6 Istanbul, 7 Turkey, meaning the episodes, where they went. So I can pull it up, and I have it through <laughs> every season. I don't know why I have this on my notes. I've always been fascinated by the locations on this show. Anyway, I can tell you that... Chris Soul season, they never left uh, United States until overnights. They had four episodes in L.A. Then they went for episode five, they went to New Mexico. Episode six, they went to South Dakota. Episode seven, they were in Iowa. They went to overnights in Bali, and then they came back for the final rose ceremony in Iowa, if you remember that. Bachelorette season, the only one that did it was Becca's. They had three episodes in L.A., then they went to Park City, Utah in episode four. They went to Vegas for episode five, Virginia for episode seven, or episode six for Virginia. Actually, they went to episode seven, the episode right before Hometowns. Uh, they went to the Bahamas, and then the overnights were in Thailand, and the finale was in the Maldives. So Becca was probably the closest. She had six episodes in the States and then one in the Bahamas, which... It's close to the States, right? It's close enough. Um, let's see. Colton, no. Hannah, no. Peter, no. And then you're getting into COVID seasons. Uh, Clayton, no. Gabby, Rachel, no. So those are the only two where no – well, Chris Souls is the only one where they absolutely did not leave the United States before hometowns. Becca's was pretty close. They went there the episode before hometowns. They went outside the country to Bahamas. And that isn't really that far off the coast, right? So uh, those are the two. But, yeah, there's the answer to your question. I also wanted to talk about um, sad news yesterday in the world of Dancing with the Stars. I'm sure you heard Len Goodman, the longtime judge who retired last season or said it was his last season uh, in fall of 2022 uh, passed away yesterday due to bone cancer if you watched last season the one that aired in the fall the first thing I noticed when they had the first episode of the season when Len was judging we didn't know until the end of the season that 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 he was going to announce it was his last season but 
from the second the season started last year, I thought Len was sick. They didn't say anything, but he looked incredibly skinny. And when you're that age, you don't just all of a sudden decide to lose weight. You know, he wasn't an overweight man at all. So I assumed something was up, but they weren't going to say anything. Um, and unfortunately, he passed uh, due to bone cancer. They said it went, um, you know, it happened pretty quickly. They didn't give a, a timeline or whatever. But anybody that watched Dance with the Stars last season um, probably saw Len being um, quite skinnier than than past seasons. So maybe something was up there and it had started. But he was a he was an all timer. I mean, he is the guy that, you know, for the longest time, he also was judging the with the UK version, Strictly Come Dancing. And he was literally making the trek every week from England back to the state so he could judge the US show. I mean, that takes a lot of dedication. He was like the, you know, the grumpy old Brit, but everybody loved him. And yeah, he's had some tiffs with dancers and stuff and how he grades and he doesn't you like and he, you know, very stickler when it comes to form and posture and all that stuff. But everybody that watched the show loved Len and just, you know, it sucks. I mean, it's just sad to see it go. Everybody was giving their dedications yesterday, whether it was former contestants. I know Hannah Brown did an Instagram story on it. Caitlin, he didn't judge Caitlin's season because that was during COVID, but she obviously had a nice word for him. Plenty of people, uh, the pro dancers, uh, Carrie Ann Inaba did one, did a dedication. Bruno Tonioli, uh, Tom Bergeron did. I mean, he, everybody loved the guy. And, man, it just sucked uh, to hear that story uh, as – Yet another one, um, another death in, in 2023. Um, I wanted to now kind of do a deep dive on American Idol. And I brought it up yesterday, and thank you to those who reached out to me yesterday and said, hey, Steve, I heard you talking about We Ann being on The Voice and she was on The Voice. She went by Wee McDonald. She was on season 11. All four judges turned their chair around her, and she finished in third place. Like, that's kind of weird to me. I'm shocked that American Idol has her on. Because it's just like, I, I, mean, I thought the whole point of Idol was to find untapped talent. And Idol has been the standard in singing shows. It's been around the longest. It's kind of like The Bachelor will never take a contestant who was on Love is Blind or any of the other dating shows. It's just they have their own process of, like, we're the gold standard in dating shows. The only contestants that are coming on our show are people that go through our process and not people that were on. You could have had previous reality show experience, but not a major name or anything like that. Or, you know, maybe even lasted long or something else. I mean, it's just, I'm just surprised. I had no idea until, you know, a few of you emailed me yesterday and said, We Ann went by We McDonald and she finished in third place in, two th in season 11 of The Voice. So it's like, okay, well, no wonder. But um, of, the f of the final 26, there were five that had been on The Voice. One of them got knocked out uh, Sunday night, and that was Malik Hurd. He was on season 10 and got eliminated during the uh, knockouts of The Voice. So going into last night, in the top 20, we had four people who had been on The Voice before. We Ann, Mary Beth Bird, 
who made it to the top eight of season 17. Megan Danielle, who made it to the top nine of season 18. And Michael Williams, who made it to the top 17 of season 18. Three of those four made it through to the top 12. Michael Williams last night, the only one that got eliminated. One of the eight that got eliminated as they went from 20 down to 12. So we've got three voice contestants. Weanne, Mary Beth Bird, and Megan Danielle all got to at least top nine of their season of The Voice. I guess that just really surprises me. Doesn't mean like, oh, I don't want them to win or they suck or whatever. I'm just, I don't know. I'm just surprised. I really am. But when you look at it, I mean, the breakdown now is to talk about the Instagram following of these. And this is what I did yesterday. And I found this really because I didn't know. I had already done and looked at the Instagram following of the people in the top 20 going into last night. Well, now that we have our top 12 confirmed, we're all set. The judges obviously voted in, or the the audience voted in the top 10, and the judges picked two to round out the top 12. And um, I'll go over Instagram stuff and their followings right after this. So here's the deal. Top 12 of American Idol. There are three people who've got a giant following. Weanne. What a surprise. She was on The Voice. She's got 199,000 followers. This is as of last night. She might have picked up a couple more thousand overnight. But basically, let's just call it, she's got 200,000 followers. Nutsa, who was a judge's pick, has 402,000 followers on Instagram. But she's been on other reality shows in different countries. So she's kind of known, and it makes sense. And then you've got Em who's got 361,000 followers. So you've got three people that have got 200,000 followers or more. Weanne at 200, Ian at 361, Nutsa at 402. Everybody else in the top 12 is under, well, then you've got, okay, let's do Colin Stow, 75,000, okay? So those are four, 75,000 or more. Everybody else is under 43,000 as of last night. Megan Danielle and Mary Beth, the two that were on The Voice, are the next two highest followers. So I'm just like, you know, I, I don't know how this is going to go. But, and as, as far as I know, and someone can fill me in on this that is more dialed into Idol, even though I've watched every episode, I haven't been paying attention to the Instagram stuff. Obviously, Weanne getting to the final three on The Voice has gotten her a lot of her followers. She's at 200,000. Nutsa, we know, is a reality show contestant on other singing shows in another country. That's what got her her following. As far as I know, Eams is organic. I don't think until Eam auditioned, he had... I don't know how many followers he had when he auditioned until his audition episode aired, but I do know his audition video on YouTube has 13 million views. So that's a lot. I guessing I'm guessing it's more than anybody else's audition video. Probably not even close. So I that's where I'm at with EM. If somebody knows for sure, please let me know. But after that, it's just a bunch of people that you just assume if just a percentage of Weann, EM, and Nutz's fans vote, how do they not get to the final three? Warren has twelve thousand followers. Haven, thirty eight thousand. Colin 
I told you, 75. Tyson has 25,000. Oliver, 31,000. Zachariah, 15,000. Lucy, 21,000. Those people can't compete with people that have hundreds of thousands of followers, even if all their followers, like, you know, it's uh, clearly all your followers are not going to vote. A lot of them will. But when EM is sitting at 361,000 followers and Weyann's got 200,000 and Newt's has got 400,000, doesn't it mean that all it takes is a percentage of them and you're, there's just no way you can't advance? Look, I think Newt's is a great singer. I, I, don't, I had no problem with the judges picking her, but it also didn't surprise me that the woman with the highest Instagram following of anybody that was on stage last night got picked as a judge's pick. It makes sense. She's a great singer, great performer. I know that she rubs some people the wrong way. Her performance in Hawaii didn't sit with, uh, you know, I didn't care about the glitter. It's not like she was gyrating on stage. People were thinking she was too sexual. Like, what were you watching? It wasn't that big of a deal. We've we've seen way more sexual things on stage in concerts and whatnot than what Nutsa did in Hawaii. I, I, I did not understand that at all. Um, and she's... Say what you want about her. Maybe you don't like her personality. Whatever the case may be, she's got a great singing voice. And she can absolutely just knock it out of the park with these songs that she sings. So is it fair that she's been on other singing shows in other countries? Probably not. But then again, Weanne finished third on The Voice on season 11. So why is she allowed to come on this show, you know? But... Just as other people, I mean, I'm sure Warren's going to get more followers and Tyson's going to get more and Oliver's going to get more and Zachariah's going to get more, but so are the other ones that are already in six figures. So it'll be interesting to look back on this once the season plays out to see because they are so far ahead of everybody else. 200,000, 361, and 400,000. Like... The next fourth place has 75. Weanne has two and a half more times in the second place or the the next person behind her in fourth place for followers. I, I just, and we know this show is done by voting and people who watch the show. And clearly if they follow Weanne and they follow Em and they follow Nutsa, look, they're all good singers. I'm not saying they don't deserve it. But it just seems like it's an uneven playing field when you're taking people who have already been on other shows and come into this show with an absolutely already built-in audience. It doesn't seem like EM did. But if someone can tell me that I'm wrong, please let me know. But that's what we're looking at uh, with American Idol. So I'm going to keep an eye on that going forward. So remember yesterday I was talking about Survivor and the Survivor Fact Checker page and wondering, I hadn't done a deep dive on it, and I didn't even know how long they were around. I found the answer to that. They started in September of 2021. So they've only been around two years, and in their very first post, they admit they were inspired by Bachelor Data. So that I thought that was really cool, that they actually shouted out to them and said the reason they're doing this page is because of Bachelor Data, and they loved what Bachelor Data did with Bachelor-related charts and graphs and all this stuff, screen time, all that stuff. So they decided to do one for Survivor. But my question to you yesterday was, I don't know what it has meant. Does screen time and confessionals equal winners? Well, I went back to the very first season that they covered on Survivor Fact Checker, the one that I don't even remember the name of the season, 
but it was the one that Erica won. And remember, I told you, I said, there's no way that season that Erica won, she was somebody that was doing well in confessionals during the season because she came out of nowhere and all of a sudden won. And people were just like mad at the Survivor editors giving us a winner who we couldn't get behind because we barely knew anything about her. Well, I looked up the stats and the stats back it up. When there were eight people left on the show, Erica was sixth in most confessionals. So in the bottom half of most confessionals, when there was seven people left on the show, she had the fifth most confessionals. So it, the whole thing is just, oh, wait, when there were seven, she was, yeah, she was fifth. Because, gosh, it's hard to read these names because it's in red. Um, <laughs> I see Ricard, Danny, Xander, and Deshaun ahead of her. Yeah. Deshaun, Xander, Ricard, and Danny were ahead of her when there was seven people left on the show. So, yeah, confessionals does not equal. And at that point, she had had... 20 confessionals and first place had 36 first and second place had 36 third place had 28 fourth place had 25 and she had 20 so through gosh how many episodes is that Uh, through 11 episodes she had 20 confessionals 1.82 one conf- almost barely two confessionals an episode, not even two confessionals an episode, and she ended up winning. So it answered my question. I'm glad I went back and looked at that. Confessionals does not equal you win. So the people that are sitting at the top right now, Jam Jam, Carolyn, Danny, doesn't necessarily mean they're going to win because I just pulled two seasons ago's numbers and just read those to you. And Erica was nowhere to be found near the top of the confessional leaderboard. So there you go. Now I'm really intrigued on who's going to win Survivor. It either is going to be one that has gotten a lot of camera time. We're going to be like, okay, that makes sense. Or it's going to be somebody that comes from behind that's sitting there in the you know fifth, sixth, seventh place of confessionals right now. And we're going to be like, why are we? Ba- we barely saw this person all season. So. I can't wait for Survivor to play out now. And finally, want to end with this. This is a show that I just saw a headline about yesterday, and I've never even watched it, and I already got excited because it brought me to my favorite show of all time, 24. So 911 Lone Star. It's that, you know, emergency show. It had it started as 911 and now they have a spin-off called Lone Star. I think it all takes place in Texas. Anyway, They talk about the fact that two actors in this season, in season four, episode 14, Gina Torres and D.B. Woodside are falling for each other. But D.B. Woodside is her pastor. You can be like, Steve, why are you talking about this? I'll tell you why I'm talking about it. Because... This is the fourth show that Gina Torres and D.B. Woodside have been in together, including 24, where, if you remember, 24 fans, ask yourself this before I answer it for you. 
what were what season were Gina Torres and DB Woodside in together, and what was their storyline? Too late. I'm going to answer it for you. Um, it was season three. Gina Torres was the woman married to Alan Milliken, who was a major donor to President Palmer. Remember, she was the one. He, Alan Milliken was old and in a wheelchair, and she was basically married to him for his money. Admitted as much on the show, but she was also having an affair with Wayne Palmer. David Palmer, the president's younger brother, who was also his chief of staff, and they were caught together. And then Alan Milliken, the husband of Gina Torres's character, finds out about it and says, President Palmer, David, my friend, you need to fire your chief of staff, your brother, Wayne Palmer, or else I'm going to the press with this affair that he's having with my wife. And Wayne Palmer, D.B. Woodside, says, David, you got to do it. And Dave, and the president's like, no, I'm not backing down to my donor. I don't care if he backs out and doesn't give me any more money. I don't care. I'm not firing you. You're my brother. So Wayne, being the screw-up that he is, gets in deeper and basically tries to have him off. Anyway, it's a great storyline. <laughs> in the end, um, people died. You know, spoiler alert, this, that season's been out for, oh, I don't know, 17, 18 years now. If you haven't watched it by now, it's a good season. The interesting thing about 24 season three is it had to do with a virus. And so when COVID came out, I rewatched season three of 24 when we were all sitting around doing nothing, being bored. And I was like, wow. Now, granted, the virus in 24 was way worse than, I mean, not saying it, you know, Physically, it was way worse. Obviously, COVID killed a lot of people in this country. But the physical symptoms of the 24 virus or the virus that was in 24 in season three was pretty brutal, if you remember. Anyway, I saw that headline and I'm like, oh, wow. What was her name? Oh, Julia Milliken. I'm like, oh, wow. Julia Milliken and Wayne Palmer back together again. That's the way I look at things. It's kind of like when I see, you know, Ian Ziering or. Jason Priestley or Brian Austin Green on a TV show doing something. I'm like, oh, what's David Silver doing? Oh, what's Steve Sanders doing? Like, that's how they live in my mind. <laughs> anyway, thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. Please rate, subscribe, and review in Apple Podcasts. The Sports Daily will be up in an hour from now. Boy, more stuff to talk about in the NBA Finals. They are just getting weird, say the least. Anyway, thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. And I will talk to you tomorrow. See you!